swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads where bandits are. Catacombs and giant doors protect the chests and stores and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron It's ore. a grand theft of Elder Scrolls, Simon's quest with Toe and Earl, rocket shoes to every crew, Easter eggs and gaming news. The POTUS need some bad dudes to crash a crew like Bandicoot. All shit and gaming and glitch control issues. Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes y'all. y'all. Well, this is control issues. I am the AM Sorry. And this is A Dub. This is control issues. You can go to control dash issues. I keep forgetting how to roll into that. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta listen to some of the old shows or remember things as they were. But yeah, go to control-issues.com. That dash is a hyphen. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, view it, give it five stars. Head on over to Twitter. My Control Issues is the handle. That's M-Y-C-O-N, Troll Issues. Oh, oh, they didn't know about that hidden message. Also hit them with the Twitch. I'm going over to twitch.tv slash Control Issues pod, where we put up gameplay videos for your new pleasure every so often. AMC. How you living? Living well. Um, yeah, don't have much to say this week. It's been actually a fairly chill week. It was a extremely busy week, you know, with the start of uh, football and all that stuff. That, uh, oh, football's back, huh? Yeah, and unfortunately that means a lot of work for me. Um, so, yeah, this was a, a crazy week of work. So I really did not get into much. I will say still watching Inf- uh, not Infamous, uh, Invinci- Invincible, and that show is still – I will still recommend it. I'll recommend it every week that people should at least just check out the first episode. I am now on around like episode four and the show is just continuing, continuing to impress. So do that. Uh, how about yourself? A dub? How you been? Uh, I mean, pretty much the same battling this heat dancing for rain. Hopefully we get something and you can thank me if we do uh, where you're watching invincible. I've been watching Marvel's what if, and I also highly recommend that. It is an excellent collection of little one-off stories within the Marvel Universe, but not necessarily the MCU. It's just little tales from other strands and and divergent timelines. So it's awesome in that regard. It's also animated, so that gives them the ability to do a lot of things that aren't possible in the movies. I really enjoy it. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you're watching this show, and by watching, I mean listening, you'll probably dig it. Also, just been watching the hell out of Hulu. I forgot I had a login for that. I, had a login. I forget I had that. So yeah, I've been watching the hell out of that. They have an excellent movie selection. I cannot recommend enough Love and Monsters. I wanted to see that movie when it came out. I think it was on Netflix first, but I don't know. I could be wrong there, but it's on Hulu. I watched it. I loved it. It's got Monsters. It's got Michael Rooker. It's got a, a pretty solid child actor in there. It's yeah, got I a saw solid it. cast. I checked out the trailer for it. It looked pretty dope. And like the, uh, the I guess the animations just look great yeah. <laughs> for the monster designs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's like, yeah, and, 
Oh, sorry. I'm, tell, I'm telling you like this, anything that has Michael Rooker in it, you need to watch it. And mm-hmm. that dude, he's long overdue for the recognition and the accolades he deserves. I mean, can we get some kind of Academy Award for Michael Rooker? My man was Yondu. <laughs> My man is in Love and Monsters. My man was was Merle, Merle Dixon in The Walking Dead. I think he, he was in like action movies from the 90s. <laughs> Yeah, I like, he was I, all over the place. It seems like he has a, a good relationship with James Gunn because he was also in Suicide Squad. Remember? Was he? What was? What was that, he? The opening, the white haired dude, the with the bird. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's redemption for for Guardians of the Galaxy two because yeah. that was and that was like a huge send off for y'all dude. So yeah, yeah I, I felt like uh, James Gunn is like um. Basically, I'm taking Michael Rooker with me <laughs> to Marvel, and he took him. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> My man redeemed the DC movie universe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. DC, let James Gunn do everything. Yeah. But yeah, man, just watching horror movies, watching sci-fi flicks. and uh, I finished MODOK, even though I need to go back and watch episode 10 again, just to make sure I got all of it. Patton Oswalt, he, the, he, he called it. It's like, yo, cast me as Modoc. They did, and that show is just hilarious. Yeah, I watched the uh, the first episode. Really enjoyed it. I especially, I just love the uh, this the claymation. Like, yeah. I can I can never get enough of claymation. That robot chicken style. Yeah, I would say uh, another show I recommend on uh, Hulu is uh, Crossing Swords. It's uh, it's actually one of the uh, creators of Robot Chicken, and it's uh-huh. uh, another like claymation style show. I've seen that, and the name continues to catch my interest every time I go to the animation tab, so I'll definitely give it a look from there. And, and there's other things on there that I definitely need to watch. I also need to watch Invincible. I need to watch The Boys at some point. Oh, but yeah. The Boys. Yeah, that's, I'm a, just, that's on Prime, but yeah, that's awesome. I'm really enjoying the movie selection. I watched, um, uh, luckily, I was able to watch Fast Colors, starring Gugu and Bathu Bra. She's also in Loki. So, and she's probably one of my favorite actors because she's number one, she's gorgeous. Number two, she's talented, and you could swap those if you want to. They're equally important. But one A and one B. So yeah, that is was. She the, uh, is she the uh, like that head administrator for the uh, the time force or whatever? The in TVA. Yeah, yeah, she is. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> so she's that. Fast Colors is a good movie. She's she's in a lot of stuff. I think she was. Um, in motherless Brooklyn, she was a love interest in that. And if I sit here and try to comb my brain for everything she's in, I won't get everything, but I'll pull a lot of stuff. So I'm not even going to bore people with that. But yeah, man, got some gaming time in, keeping the place clean. Managed to go out for the past couple nights. You know, trying to trying to get back in, get the rust off, get the Jimmy legs out. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. Well, let's get right into it. What have you been playing, Adam? Well, AMC, you already know what I've been playing. I tried to keep it a secret, but I, I had to tell somebody because it was a monumental undertaking, even though it only took me like two hours. But I've been playing No Man's Sky. And at first, it was just to dabble with the Frontiers update. We covered that in the last show when it came out, just giving you guys all the deets, what's going on there. You can become the overseer of a settlement, build it up from its scrappy beginnings into something respectable with, with happy citizens running around with 
their emojis hanging over their head. I mean, it's no man's sky. So they're not really doing too much emoting beyond text and everything, but it does enough to convey the message and get the job done. So I was fooling around with that and just got completely enamored with the way the game looks and moves now. It is far and away a much different experience than it was oh so long ago in 2016 when we when we first dabbled in it but yeah man it's i got i got into it and i was just thinking to myself you know what i think it's time that i went ahead and got to the center of the galaxy and just consider myself done with the game insofar as playing it out of obligation so that's exactly what i did i Mind, I got a bunch of resources, started manufacturing warp cell fuel, hopped in my ship, and just began the laborious task of jumping from system to system, slowly chipping away at the 717,000 light years I needed to cover. Uh, at first, I was just star hopping. Then I remembered, hey, maybe I should look for a black hole. Those cut a significant amount of distance. So I started doing that. I was following a waypoint that was already on my map and it was taking me way too long. Some of the anomaly, got a new waypoint, got to a black hole, noticed that it had a little icon on the galaxy map and I'm looking around the galaxy map and I'm seeing these icons all over the place. I'm like, oh shit, I could just pick any black hole <laughs> instead of trying to find any specific one that I'm being directed toward. So what I shifted my attention to was just going into the, the free exploration mode, looking for the furthest black hole that I could reach at a single jump, which was about 550 light years, jump to it, jump in the black hole, jump back to the galaxy map, jump to the next system with the next black hole, keep repeating that process. I did that for about a solid hour and got under 500,000 light years. So I covered over 200,000 in the course of an hour. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Like this, this can happen this weekend. Sure enough, next jump I'm on, game crashes. I'm like, okay, No Man's Sky has a pretty good autosave feature going on. You know, I probably didn't lose too much. Go in, load my game, lost all of it. <laughs> lost the whole hour, lost all them jumps. I was right back to where I started. But at least after, you know, I got a little discouraged, I cut the game off, I went out, got some drinks, <laughs> and that, that ended up being quite a night. But we'll talk about that after the show. But, yeah, came back and was like, okay, let's start again. This time, let's make sure we're saving the game every 50,000 light years. So, yeah, went in. Got back to where I left off under 500,000, game crashed again, but I saved. So didn't lose anything. Made some more fuel, kept jumping, just kept repeating, jumping, jumping, jumping. Every now and then I would scan a system, see if I could find a paradise planet, go touch down, have a look around, you know, see if anything's different. Uh, I, I remember that they say that the closer you get to the center of the galaxy, the weirder things get. There was a planet I, I landed on that was incredibly harsh, had towering plant life that I'd never seen in the game before. Critters digging through the dirt and like fish jumping out of the ground. It was 
crazy shit. But yeah, kept moving. Eventually got to the center of the galaxy, made the final jump, and it was over. Or at least I thought it was over because with what came next, the game then crashed. <laughs> and I, yeah. <laughs> after I apparently finished it, and it sent me back like two jumps before I finished it. So I just did it again and made sure I, I found some way to save just on the off chance that it crashed again. But yeah, made it to the center of the galaxy. And I'm, I'm not going to spoil what happens when you get there, even though it's not really a big deal. And yeah, I can officially say that I no longer have any lingering obligation to play the game. It's now something that I can dive into at my leisure in order to enjoy any future updates or just enjoy all the content that I didn't bother to engage with along the way. Overall, it's been an incredible journey. Five years, 700,000 light years, probably three or four, three or four different fresh starts of the game over the course of maybe 150 to 200 hours. Overall, it was, I loved seeing the game come together I was enamored by it since day one. I greatly enjoyed seeing it become something greater than even I could have imagined for it over all this time. And I'm glad to finally have it behind me in a way. So that's cool. I'm thinking about popping in, going back and firing up the ascent again so that I can push that toward its conclusion. And then, yeah, maybe dick around in, in Forza Horizon 4 until 5 comes out or maybe start Death's Door, which I purchased a few weeks back. But I feel like the world is my oyster. I have options. I have choices. So, you know, I'm going to revel in that. Let it wash over me. But AMC, what have you been playing? Yeah, uh, real quick. I, I remember seeing an article the other day showing that um, – no man's sky its metacritic score is like finally majority positive so people are oh, coming yeah. around finally <laughs> and the steam reviews too like yeah. after all this time finally finally swinging around you can go in articles of <laughs> no man's sky and people are saying positive things about it <laughs> yeah, yeah like you won't you'll it's very rare to find somebody who's still dwelling on the launch. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're finally on the other side of the review bombs, basically. You only hear about the review bombs, but you rarely hear about the turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Now all you hear is, oh, there's one of the few developers who really, who really turned it around. And yeah. they, really, they really turned this game into something that they really did. Like, a lot of praise for Hello Games, Sean Murray, No Man's Sky. So they deserve it. It was a monumental amount of work that they put into this game, all for free. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> Mind you. And yeah, <laughs> at any point, could have built on the game, could have done something different. But instead, they stuck with it. They nurtured that baby and made it into a, a strapping, strapping, handsome, beautiful child of no specific gender. <laughs> yeah, it was like the game was at one point... Uh, it was not what was promised. Then it got to the point where it was what they promised, and now it's beyond what they promised. <laughs> Far beyond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so what I've been playing, I've been playing. Oh my god, I've been playing more. We'll, we'll start with Wizard of Legend. Been, been putting in work on that. As I texted you, um, I am now consistently making it to the final boss. So I'm at that point in the stage of, you know, the the roguelite 
life cycle where you know you're learning the game then you're you're getting good at the game then now you're consistently making to the end and it's just pushing past this final boss battle and um yeah i gotta say this boss battle has been giving me trouble a lot of it too was experimenting with different types of builds going into the run and so at this point i now know the spells that i want the the key is i have one spell that um it's air-based and it basically gives me uh invulnerability i can't get touched <laughs> while i'm moving uh for five seconds and so basically when the boss starts going ham i can put that on start running around and hopefully by the time it runs out he'll have gone through like all of his crazy attacks and then i can get off like my big attack so now yeah, that i have that yeah and so now that i've gotten to that point i can now start counterattacking a little bit better and so now it's just figuring out that timing but yeah he's been giving me trouble so i will hopefully have that done by next week but i feel like i've been saying that for the past couple of weeks so here we go <laughs> uh other game i've been playing marvel oh not marvel um not super smart i've been playing mario <laughs> i've been going just through every game i played before no uh mario 3d world playing more of that wow we got to the point now where we beat what I thought was the final world. Oh. I, I believe I am on like world 10 at this point. And they added one last one. And it did say, this is the final world. Uh, there appears to be only, I think two stages on this final world, but um, the one that we first started with, it's a bunch of basically, we'll say mini games or mini levels, because it's one of those things where you have 10 seconds to get to the, the green star and there's a lot of platforming and you know just fighting fighting baddies and all that stuff to get to the green star or to get that star to reduce within that time limit so uh we've gotten through the majority of that level of all the uh the short levels but there's still about like four left and they just get progressively tougher so there's a lot of dying a lot of arguing but we're gonna hopefully beat that then there's one more level beat that and then we have bowser's fury and then we can move on yeah so, yeah yeah so these just two games that i'm at the point where it's like uh i want to beat them but i'm enjoying mario more just because there's still a lot more left wizard of legend i am loving it it's just i want to beat this final boss because he is giving me such a tough time so yeah (laughs) uh other than that let's just get right into it a dub because there is just so much going on from from sony you know they brought it this week we uh we uh we discussed that they had this showcase coming and so let's just get right into it with this topic of the week topic of the week as uh nature dictates we're just gonna go through this showcase i guess pick games that you enjoyed and we'll just trade off so you can lead off with uh you know what 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 game caught your interest or just what caught your interest from the showcase well i'm i'm just going big right off the right off the bat first spoken man <laughs> mm-hmm. finally seeing that game again i mean initially uh it was when it was revealed it was project athia and then it was renamed to Forspoken. now we got a little more substantial of a trailer we see the main character in her previous life before being transported to the world of athia and getting the the talking bangle <laughs> that then allows her to summon the forces of magic using only her freaking mind so yeah man this it it looks awesome and i'm loving the traversal it looks like they put in a whole lot more animations a whole lot more attacks it's 
it reminds me a lot of Infamous, just in the frenetic pace of her movements and the amount of animations there are. Like, she doesn't just swing off of a thing. Like, she swings around it, then swings off of it, then flips in the air, and the cloth physics are doing all kinds of stuff. She's got all kinds of visual effects peeling off of her body as she cuts through the air. She summons invisible platforms, jumps off of those. She's summoning the elements, capturing giant birds and bubbles of water, exploding them. It's, there's a lot going on, but even with all that's going on, it's it still looks a little vacant to me so i'm looking at this gameplay trailer she's running through the world she's doing all her wild and crazy traversal moves every so often she's fighting some things but in the in-between times you have this vast glorious open world but there's not really anything happening in it and there's not really anything in it at all so Granted, we've been down this road before. AMC, you pointed out to me with the likes of Death Stranding when we saw Norman Reedus, or as I call him, Norman Fetus. When he's going through the world of Death Stranding, he's just climbing mountains, negotiating terrain, losing his footing in a river, losing his packages, and collecting things. And there's not really a lot going on. However, when you finally get Death Stranding in your hands and you make it through the tutorial phase, you see that there is quite a bit more to it you know, in addition to all the navigating terrain, falling up and down the mountain, <laughs> laying down ladders. Like that is 100% the majority of the experience, but there's more to it. There is meat, there is substance, there is content. So with Forspoken, it's, it still hasn't, it still hasn't shown me it's worth and I have a feeling that they're holding a lot of that back. But for what we did see, it definitely gave me something much more to hold on to the combat system looks outstanding it's just overwhelmed with with visual effects it like i said it reminds me a lot of infamous in that way as well a lot of the her basic combat moves look similar to the basic attacks that cole mcgrath had in infamous too i mean she has a basic shot she has a rapid fire shot but then you start getting into i guess tougher battles where she has this this massive flame blade or flame axe that she's just swinging and hitting multiple enemies and grinding enemies into the ground with it and yeah man it, there there's a lot going on she's making she's freezing enemies like putting them in water and then freezing the water into a jagged column of ice so there's there seems to be some interplay with the elements and their different states. I imagine you'll be able to combine spells or, you know, use their effects as you would think spell effects would combine together in order to make more pronounced effects that give you different, you know, that freeze enemies instead of just wetting them or drowning them. Who knows if they drown. They also showed what looks like maybe a boss or a mini boss that was given the homegirl Frey the business the main character's name is Frey uh they gave us a little insight into the story where Frey is not exactly living the plush life you know things are a little rough she's getting beat up she's trying to figure out how to make a better life for her and her cat and then she gets sucked into this mystical magical realm and suddenly she's empowered with the elements themselves and a talking bangle so I'm very excited 
to see what becomes of Forspoken. It's going to be releasing in spring of 2022. AMC, you brought it to my attention that this project has Amy Hennig on it. So all the people who are upset at Bruce and Neil for letting her go from Naughty Dog, all the people who are upset at EA for shutting down uh, Ragtag, the Star Wars game that they were working on that nobody knew about until they announced it was canceled. <laughs> you can rejoice and celebrate your Amy Hennig project that's coming to fruition instead of calling it woke spoken on the internet because it, it, it has a certain element that people don't want to acknowledge, but we'll, we'll get to that at another time. AMC, what is something that you're excited about from this show? Uh, well, real quick, uh, for spoken, I will say that, um, yeah, when, um, I like the, the idea, the premise of the game in that mm -hmm. it's not often that you acknowledge, like, that the gamer is being dropped into this completely new world. A lot of times, like when you pick up a game and you start playing it, you're, you're playing a character who is either already like, you know, like um, cartoonish and then they just end up in a, a more cartoonish situation <laughs> or they're just a person who is already of that world. Like every GTA character is a product of the GTA world. Um, whereas like in this game, it does reflect the experience of the gamer, which is just the average person. And all of a sudden you're dropped into this like fantastical world where you have magic powers and everything. So I did like that. It's a, I guess to a term that's used often is it felt kind of somewhat meta while playing the game, which is kind of cool. And then on top of that, knowing that, uh, you know, Amy Hennig and um, Gary Widow are working on this to, um, you know, two prominent writers. Um, it does have a good team behind it. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see more of the world. That is one of those things I feel like uh, with any, especially open world game that's revealed, people always just cut to, uh, there's just like, there's not a lot going on, like uh, if, based on the trailer. And then like, as you see more of the game, then like more is revealed. I feel like you could even have said that initially with like Ghost of Tsushima. And that was like kind of the point. They're like, yeah, like we want it to be like somewhat serene in certain locations. And then like, next thing you know, you're fighting some Mongols. Uh, so like, <laughs> yeah, so like I, I'm curious to see exactly like how enemy encounters come up. And, you know, like there's just some points where she was kind of launching it in the air and then you would just see like the landscape and it was this vast, like just mountainous. So uh, it'd be kind of cool to see like what's hidden within, you know, the regions of the mountains and things along those lines. So there's a, there's a lot going there. The, 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 the talking bangles seemed uh, somewhat comical. So you'll know you'll have a, a funny homie uh, narrating along the, along the way or just common commenting on things along the way. So there's, there's definitely some promise feel about narrators though. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of promise to this game. Uh, the, you know, I'll start a little bit smaller, uh, this being that we got an announcement from, I guess, from Naughty Dog. It's <laughs> uh, coming by way of remasters, this being the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection. Ooh. And in case you're wondering what that is, that is, uh, we'll just take it straight from IGN, Uncharted 4 and Uncharted Lost Legacy are being remastered with a PlayStation 5 version in the works from Naughty Dog and a PC version, uh, keep my games off of the PC, coming shortly after from Iron Galaxy. Uh, so yeah, uh, for people looking to replay Uncharted on their PlayStation 5, but not the PS4 version of it, you can now look forward to the remastered version of Uncharted 4. Uh, yeah, so just showing that Naughty Dog is 
clearly working on multiple projects because they're supposedly working on, you know, the multiplayer of of Last of Us Two, and the assumption is probably like their next like uh, big game. So it, they're they're clearly staying busy right now. Uh, do you have any comments on this, or just keep it moving? This is just a remaster. I'm much in the in the same vein as PS4 when they remastered The Last of Us, this is likely their opportunity to see exactly what it is they're capable of with the PS5 by putting out, you know, a little quick project that'll allow them to ascertain what kind of overhead that they're going to be using, what kind of room they're going to have in order to do the kind of things that they want to do with future projects. So, you know, it's, it also goes hand in hand with the news. I mean, it was earlier from the year, but Jim Ryan saying that uh, one in five PS5 owners at the time didn't have a PS4. So there is totally a market for these remasters. It's not, oh, gee, it's a cash grab, but it's, there are people who probably haven't played these games. So that's for them. If you don't like it, if you think it's unnecessary, it's probably not for you. <laughs> yeah, man. So it, it's awesome. I'm thinking about it, but at the same token, it's, it's just, ah, I love Lost Legacy so much. And I would love to play that again, especially if there is any kind of improved visuals and performance on the PlayStation 5. However, I already own them on PS4. They're on my hard drive, just ready to go. So I imagine I'd probably... I'd probably just move them over to console storage and, you know, go with that. There's no need for me to double dip in that respect. However, for the people who haven't experienced these games, these are definitely some of the more exemplary products from the Sony library. So I highly recommend them. I also saw on the web that there was someone asking like, why, why did they only do these games? Why did they remaster the first three? Well, that's because they already did. They were remastered for PS4. So you can go play those three games, get the PS4 version, use your backward compatibility, play them on your PS5, and quit your belly, bitch. Let's get into our next game of the showcase. Game, game of the showcase. showcase. <laughs> <laughs> game of the showcase. Uh, this game was one I believe I showed to you some months ago. There was uh, there was a point when a bunch of kind of character action Muso style games had a had been revealed. One of them was this game, Project Eve. Now, this one is a character action game. It features a dark-haired, agile female warrior with an electric flaming sword fighting all kinds of grotesque, monstrous beasts. Now, you know, normally character action, this isn't something that your boy A-Dub is normally interested in. However, there's something a little special about this game. It's got this level of flourish and polish to these animations. Like the combat looks very, not, not necessarily realistic because realistic would be a lot slower and a lot heavier, but it looks, it looks authentic to what it's trying to portray in, I understand how difficult that is to do, especially in video games. So for this one to pull off the combat the way that it's doing, I mean, this this character is doing cartwheels. They're blending in kind of the the uh, what is, the cinematic 
aspects of the com of the combat where she's doing something that's very specific and very stylized, but then sliding right back into gameplay. It seems like you're never really being taken out of the experience while always engaging in this, you know, high speed combat situation. She has a ton of moves. There's it's awesome. Like it's it's one of those games where I'm very enamored by the core mechanics, even though there doesn't seem to be much else to it. Like there there doesn't seem to be much story. The environments don't really look terribly different from one another, but there's tons of stuff to fight and she looks great while doing it. That is a project that I can get behind. AMC, how did you feel about Project E? I will say the action looked good. I like the character design. The monster designs were definitely pretty awesome mm-hmm. um you know not my style of game so i kind of just looked at it from an outsider perspective and that i could see who the people who are into these style of games are gonna be jazzed up for this one it looked pretty cool uh just you know not something that i'm necessarily interested in, my, in myself so i kind of just um just enjoyed it for what it was which was dope action dope design like the lead and moving on <laughs> Speaking so of moving on, AMC going to move us along. Yeah, to the next game of the show. Game, game, game of the show. Of the show. Um, you know, we didn't really get into this when it was allowed, uh, announced, I believe, at Gamescom. So we can talk about it now. This being Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Yes. Well, Dude, there wasn't much to get into with the show. Yeah, it was more of that was just more of an announcement. And so this so now we got some gameplay and some details. So we know that the date, it's going to be coming out March 25th, 2022. Um, I'm going to read the IGN article. We catch a glimpse of some of the epic settings for Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which include every Everything from majestic towns to mushroom forests, foreboding fortresses, and more. There will also be interactive tabletop zones, which players can explore as they discover dynamic encounters and traverse between all key locations. Old school JRPG fans, we see you. All right, fuck you. Uh, also, <laughs> in a departure from Borderlands, players will be able to create their own hero in-game that features a multi-class system that lets you mix and match six unique character skill trees, all of which their own, uh, all of which have their own awesome abilities. There'll also be a ton of customization options. So, yeah, this is um, this game actually looked pretty cool. Uh, I know that you got into Borderlands, the last Borderlands game. Um, Heavily. What I like about this is it they seem to be very much doing their own thing while you know staying in the vein, in the tone of Borderlands. Um, and so it's it's a good mix and match. They're definitely uh, taking in you know their source content when it comes to you know that D D fantasy rpg genre uh and then bringing it to the world of borderlands so you got your guns but then there's also the magic we did see like a ton of dragons and things on those lines enemies that you would come across in a fantasy setting i did like seeing that um that worldview <laughs> the characters with the big heads as they move like you know moved across the map so mm-hmm. i'm interested to see how you know that that's gonna be fun to you know if you enjoyed the tiny tina dlc then um it seems like this is just going to be that at a at a grander scale so all of her great narration with a lot of the um the surprises that tina would just throw in at any time as a great dungeon master might do yes. um so yeah it's uh it, 
what I like is it's not just more Borderlands, which is where I felt like the reaction when the uh, pre-sequel came out is like, ah, this is just more Borderlands. They added in, it was a ratchet. <laughs> and then uh, that, that was about it. And like just some new gameplay elements, but it just felt like more of the same. This seems to be, you know, taking that game and then, you know, trying to at least like give it a different feel so that if anything, they can do multiple Borderlands style of games um, and have them still be unique in their own way. Uh, how did you feel, especially having just played, was it Borderlands 3? Mm-hmm. Well, all Borderlands is good Borderlands to me. So seeing this new twist is definitely, um, it, it's welcome. I'll take it. I like that it still has weapons. It seems to have, you know, a big dependence on the skills as well as what looks like some melee weaponry. So I'm going to be interested to see more information about that. I'm loving the setting. I'm very surprised by the information you just provided where you're making your own character and mixing and matching skills. So like you said, that's something that's not done in the Borderlands world. And that's something that could make everything fresh. So you're not just playing a particular class, even though you could, but you, you're making a class. So it'd be, you know, I'm going to make this character, and then I'm going to make this character, and then I'm going to mix these two. So there's that. There's that possibility. I like that there's still copious amounts of loot and legendaries. <laughs> you know, it's I love anything D and D oriented. I really hope that they bring a fair amount of RPG mechanics and dice rolls to this experience. That'll make it very cool. So, looking forward to it. Always down for some Tiny Tina. She's my favorite character from the Borderlands universe, and I just might get into this somewhere down the. Let's get to our next game. Okay, so. uh, we got we got some heavy hitters, so I'm like just I'm like trying to go there immediately, but let's keep it moving. Eh? <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> trying to get into that game that showcase, but I'll give you a small one. I'll just give you a little quick hit from uh-huh. the showcase, just yes. to pepper you a little bit, warm you up. <laughs> we got we got a look at the Alan Wake remaster. Mm-hmm. So for someone like me who didn't get to enjoy Alan Wake on the Xbox, it was one of those games that I did want to play back then. I got a renewed interest in Alan Wake once you reached the revelation that the Alan Wake universe is the same universe that Control takes place in. So there's some overlap there. And now it's not only do I finally get to play Alan Wake, but I get to do it on my preferred console. So that's awesome. It's coming out in October, I believe, October 5th. AMC, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I hear so much about this game, all about the flashlight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) flashlight mechanics and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, especially with Control and the success of Control, um, I know there are a lot of people like yourself who now want to go back and experience Alan Wake. And if anything, it opens the door for one to to really flesh out, build up this world more and see a return with uh, possibly an Alan, I'm not sure what happens at the end of Alan Wake, but you know, an Alan Wake sequel, if not some type of crossover with Control and Alan Wake, um, mm. something along those lines. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I, I like that they're 
doing their due diligence to make sure that people are now fully um, fully immersed into that world so that they have a working knowledge when they move forward to really, you know, build their base and build a community surrounding everything that is Control and Alan Wake. And based on what I saw in Control, only gives me hope for, you know, what they can do moving forward. And Alan Wake had its own, you know, it seemed a little more, I'm not going to say grounded, but, you know, what you got like a gun and a flashlight, it seemed like in a lot of the game. Uh, I'm not sure if you get powers at any point in Alan Wake. So it, it still has its own unique feel on top of that. So uh, yeah, I, I'm actually going to keep an eye on this because I do now own control thanks to uh, PS plus. And so uh, there's some incentive to play that and then also play Alan Wake. And since Alan Wake's coming out soon, maybe we get to play it sooner than later. Absolutely. And if you're somebody who already experienced Alan Wake, but you were particularly worried about the rampant product placement, then you can rest assured that all of it is being stripped out of the game. That's right. You will not have to be assaulted by the image of Energizer batteries and Verizon billboards as you're playing this old school masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was an interesting bit of news. Like, I never heard anything about that when Alan Wake was out. I didn't even hear people complaining about it. But it's something that won't be in there when the remaster comes out. So people who get annoyed by that kind of stuff, it takes me out of the experience. Well, now you'll get to be fully immersed, and you can stop you belly bitching. I enjoyed, uh, it was a Final Fantasy XV. They had uh, the couple noodles just all over that game. And I'll like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, Wait, a couple Maruchan or Nissan? Nissan. I have no idea. <laughs> How did you feel about Monster Energy Drink and Death Stranding? Death Stranding. Uh, I didn't play Death Stranding, so I didn't. Get, I didn't see it. Was that like a thing that people were upset about? It was a thing. That people were <laughs> oh, why are they putting real world products? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people hate everything you I know, know, that. I know, I know. It's, why are they trying to absurd. yeah it's like why are they trying to you know fundraise for their game outside of me who's gonna buy the game but at, at, was it uh on a, on a price drop <laughs> in a flash sale <laughs> and why are they sale. trying to why are they trying to sell me things and something they just sold me yeah <laughs> all right um Let's keep it moving. Let's yes. move into this next game, the one that caught my eye. I always love fun little, uh, I'm not going to call it kitschy, because I feel like that's uh, downplaying it too much, uh, uh, not giving it its due, but, you know, games that have, you know, a, just a fun feel to them. Uh, and this one being, I guess, Tachia is what we'll call it. Uh, so taken away from IGN, Tachia is a game that is not only inspired by New Caledonia. I had to look it up. It is uh, some islands in the uh, Pacific. But it is one that lets you soul jump into any physical object or animal in the world. Oh. It offers its own controls and abilities. The main character, Tachia, will also be able to use a ukulele to influence the world and story. Yeah, this one, this game just looked like a fun, just like one of those fun games that won't be, you know, too dramatic there we did see some uh some encounters where it looked like she was running away from enemies she did get a slingshot at some point so i'm assuming you get like weapons but um the parts that really caught me are she she jumped into a bird and started flying as that bird to traverse around the map um i made the comment to you that i guess this is what happened to wild even though (laughs) had like rumors that you know wild is no longer a thing who knows at this point 
but um i did i love the animation style um and just these games where you do have this huge open world to explore and uh figuring out like ways to get around it and this one being that you can jump into animals and so it's uh it's a it's a different way to um it's not like you just get powers and now i'm just flying around doing whatever i want it's every time you encounter a different animal it's like oh let's see what happens right now that we're seeing objects it's like even objects now it's just a different way to interact with the world that you're coming across so i had like had some some uh vibes of zelda breath of the wild but with this fact that you can you know kind of possess any object or animal within it definitely gives it its own feel and so uh yeah i want to see more of this game just to see one how people react to it and just to see more of what it has to offer but just on face value from this trailer alone um i i definitely thoroughly enjoyed what i saw yeah it was it was cute yeah it was charming i like the mechanics that are on display it's doing some breath of the wild stuff it's doing some some ocarina of time stuff with that ukulele it's doing i don't even know what everything that game where you could just become everything <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could be a bee you could be a refrigerator you could be a box <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and it's just there's gameplay that accommodates all that so it, it's interesting to see all these mechanics coming together in a product like this it has a very it has a very like light-hearted and, and colorful art style, excellent location. It, it looks very endearing and charming. I can imagine people playing like people like families, children, parents playing this together and having a good time experimenting. Hey, turn into turn into the fish. Turn into the fish. You can go deep in the sea, looking at the seaweed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it's yeah. cute. It's not particularly a game that I would be interested in. However, I do appreciate that it exists, and I look forward to seeing people enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think I think from here on, a dub, it's all going to be, you know, just these, the, yeah. These are yeah. These are the ones that like that blew my mind as they announced each and every one of them. So yeah, let's do it. What else oh, you got? Oh, no, I, that, this, this other one may, may be more for me than for you. Okay, <laughs> so, what do we got? Next game of the show. Is it Ghostwire game Tokyo? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and this is probably all we're going to be saying about that game. <laughs> Not for me, dude. It's first person and it doesn't look, I, it looks interesting. Doc, I, I will, thought it was I thought it was a VR game. And I know that they said before we're not discussing any VR in this conference, but I was like, oh, they got a VR game in here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, keep going. It looks interesting just overall, but yeah. to me, it does not look interesting at all. <laughs> so that's what would be. If it was third person, it'd be a much different story. But just first person, it it looks like a first person game. I personally don't want anything to do with it i don't give a, I don't give a damn the best thing about that the best thing about that game was that your girl ikumi was working on it and then she left so it doesn't even have that anymore uh what i am interested in yes. is that we've finally gotten an update on what the hell is going on with gran turismo 7 <laughs> Oh, that was quite the bright spot in the show for me. Uh, we had a little, we had a little bit of a, a showcase of what's going on with it visually, as you would probably expect. It is still one of the most 
visually stunning franchises that there are. As someone who has played a lot of Forza Horizon 4 and is keenly interested in Forza Horizon 5 coming November 9th, I will be getting that day one. It's it's a high bar that Microsoft has set with the Forza Horizon series. And even though Gran Turismo doesn't quite match that level of photorealism that Photo Horizon has, Gran Turismo 7 still looks more real than Forza Horizon 5 does, which is kind of weird to say. Like it's it's kind of it's two different aesthetics where the quality for Forza Horizon 5 is there. They're definitely using uh, film assets when they're rendering their mountains and their wildlife and everything, but it still looks by and large like an arcade game, a damn good looking one for on all accounts. But then when you look at Gran Turismo, when you're looking at those cars, especially when they're blown up and you're in the viewer, the, like the viewer mode, they look like one-to-one replicas of the actual cars. I don't feel like I'm looking at a video game. I feel like I'm looking at these things as they are in real life. But yeah, it looks awesome. The racing itself, you know, it's, it's Gran Turismo. I'm looking forward to that sim racing feel. It's definitely going to be tougher than a Forza Horizon is going to be, which I'm looking forward to. I don't know if they're going to have license tests and all that. Uh, I'm not too jazzed on the very heavily menu-driven interface, you know, especially coming from doing all my racing and all my, all my, just doing everything in an open world and actually engaging with the content from the perspective of a car to then go back to doing menus and things. It's a different feel. At the same token, I'm comparing an open world racer to a circuit racer, and I'm also comparing two different franchises. But Gran Turismo does what it does extremely well, especially when you look at just the glimpse of the robust amount of customization options that you're going to have at your disposal. Like there's decals and paint and pinstriping, but it's you don't just have those things. You have what looks like full control over the size, the color, the placement. Like you're you're determining the width of your pinstripes. You're determining where the pinstripe goes on which part of the car. You're determining the size of the decal, where it goes, how what how it's tilted. It's man, I'm I'm looking forward to just going nuts on kitting out my cars, getting ready for these races and tearing down these tracks. It's nice to finally see more of Gran Turismo. It's also very reassuring to finally have a release window, which it is placed in March, 2022. So coming out not too long after Horizon Forbidden West. AMC, I've never seen you play a racing game other than Mario Kart in my life. How did you feel about Gran Turismo? Uh, yeah, I will say that, you know, it looked good. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, just very little interest. Um, n- not to say that, like, I, like, I shit on racing games. It's just never, never my thing. Like, if I ever got into a racing game, it would have been, like, a Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit style of game where it's very arcadey, and I'm, I'm, I'm just crashing into everybody. 
I don't give a shit about winning the races. I just want to take out the cops or if not be the cops and take out other people. Um, but yeah, police the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I never really got into it. The only thing I would comment is, you know, just from an outsider's perspective and you would obviously have better knowledge as you, as you kind of said earlier, but you know, last generation, it seemed like uh, between like drive club and then, the Gran Turismo was a sport that came sport. out. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like uh, you know, Forza kind of carried the uh, did all the heavy lifting for for the racing genre. It seemed last generation outside one hundred percent did. Yeah, and so it would be nice to see just because those those Gran Turismo fans have not gone anywhere. They're still excited for this game. It seems, and um, it would be nice to see that their you know their loyalty be paid off. And so. Um, just to have that competition back there between Forza at a more even playing field, I think is just overall good for the industry. But, you know, I will say this is very different from like, you know, a Madden situation where it's like, well, if you want to play football, then this is all you got. Mm-hmm. Um, Forza is setting the bar very high, which is a good thing. They're not just, you know, doing very little and then winning just because they're the only game in town. So um, it's good that they are setting the bar that high. And if we could see Gran Turismo get there, then it'll be awesome to have, you know, two great racing games on different consoles. And as you said, somewhat different. And as far as like the aesthetic and things on those lines, um, I know you said like some of the things you really enjoyed about Forza is like, you know, the seamlessly transitioning between cars and things along those lines in the open world. We'll see if um, how, how, how Gran Turismo, what their take on that will be. If they even, did they have open worlds in the past or was it just like, you know, circuits and races, you're just choosing where it's you're just racing? A, it's just a circuit racer. So the most, the most comparable title in the Forza suite of franchises would be the Motorsport series. Mm-hmm. So when Motorsport 8 finally shows its head, then that's the thing to put next to Gran Turismo rather than Forza Horizon. Mm-hmm. Horizon, like it, that game has no competition. If Burnout Paradise ever got a sequel, then that would be the closest thing to that. However, Forza Horizon, it, it's in a league of its own. And quite frankly, it deserves it because it's yeah. outstanding. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I would say uh, hopefully, yeah, like the, you know, they can bring it with Gran Turismo, and then you know we have some good competition. Also, you just have more options, especially for the Sony gamers. Yes. But that's all. That's all I gotta say for that. All I gotta say. All I gotta say. All that I need. All that I need. All right. Um. Let's get into the next game, A Dub. Next and, game. You know, we'll we'll get into the game that opened the conference. There we go. Uh, this one had been rumored, and so we were just waiting for a possible confirmation, and now it is confirmed and confirmed to be a console launch exclusive. A dub. This one being debut. Yeah. <laughs> this one being Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic remake. Make 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 <laughs> make make me. So let's see, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic uh, is not only one of the best. This is coming from Aijin. Not only one of the best Star Wars games around, it is also the favorite game of many around the world. All right, this is all conjecture. Now, Lucasfilms uh, and Asper. It's kind of accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Lucasfilms and Asper, hmm, not Bioware, are bringing a remake of the classic game that first arrived on Xbox in 2003 to PlayStation Five, where it will launch as a console exclusive. 
This new remake is being developed by not only industry veterans, but also some of the original team members of Star Wars Knights of the Republic. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, um, that's all we have so far. It was a CG trailer. Um, But yeah, a couple of interesting things here, like as we noticed, um, some changes that being that this is going to be a console launch exclusive on the PlayStation. As you noted um, in the pre-show, this is a game that was a console exclusive on the Xbox. Um, And then we're also seeing that you know, Bioware isn't handling this, but we do see that um, at least members of that team are going to be working on this project. So that is nice. Um, my personal excitement for this, I never beat the original Knights of the Old Republic, but what I loved about it and what it pulled me in, the reason why I didn't beat it is I did not have, I didn't have an Xbox. My little brother got an Xbox, but then my stepbrother fucking modded that shit. And, and so we got Knights of the Old Republic on it, but it's a modded Xbox, so the game didn't run properly, and it eventually just stopped working, so I didn't get to fucking play the entire game. So with this, with that being said, this remake coming out, what really pulled me into the original one is it being, you know, just at the time, any type of turn-based game like pulled me in, and a Star Wars turn-based game was another level of that and so i really wanted to play it didn't get into it so now seeing that it's going to be remade that is absolutely awesome hopefully they'll hold on to that who knows um it is a remake so they could decide to you know change it up but hopefully they'll stay true to some of those elements while like you know updating it for a modern you know a modern console to be able to do so much more what i loved about the original too is just um one of the first star wars games where you're able to you know customize your lightsaber i believe uh, you might know more about this. You could choose between being good or bad. Was that is that correct? Yes, you could. You could yeah. either go the Jedi route or you could go the Sith route. Yeah. <laughs> or you could you can be, you know, agnostic and everything and just let people solve their own problems. But you could also choose sides. And it was it was surprisingly well done how different the choices were and how impactful they were in a given situation because like there was i don't know if this was nice of the old republic one or two but i feel like you could participate in what was basically an investigation where you had to determine who was at fault in the situation you could just lie <laughs> like <laughs> it was that guy or you could do the research tell the truth or you could be like i don't want any part of this you guys figure it out but and Knights of the Old Republic, for me, that was just, that was a critical moment, not only for the Xbox as a console, but for Western RPGs, for Bioware, for RPGs in general, and for gaming overall, because it's it's one of those few games that took the Star Wars license and did something meaningful with it. Uh, you had, you could create your own character and just go on these adventures with this ragtag bunch of just people that you collect from across the galaxy that you has no ties to the Skywalker saga. And you're, you're out there, you got ship, you got planets, you got, you got politics, you got stories, you got side quests, you got Jedi lightsaber styles that you can learn. You have powers that you can acquire there's just thinking about it my mind is racing because it was it's exactly what i wanted disney and star wars to do 
even to this day, it's like, let's get away from the Skywalkers. Let's tell original stories in different parts of the universe and different time periods. There's such rich lore and storytelling that can be done with this property. And we just keep going back to this one bloodline. And it's, it's starving all the creativity that could be had with this franchise. So Knights of the Old Republic did extremely well. In that regard, I'm extremely excited for this remake. A little puzzled as to how Bioware, EA, and Microsoft have nothing to do with it and it's debuting on PlayStation. So that's quite a, I think that's a missed opportunity for Microsoft with all due respect, not to start any shit online, but if I start <laughs> shit, <laughs> go, to, go to my control issues on Twitter. Well, you have to wait for the game to come out first. <laughs> Let's wait for the game to come out. I mean, I'm in... It's, it's not a remaster, it's uh -huh. a remake. So that leaves a lot of open questions because for the time being, all we have is a CG trailer of a Sith giving us some, some very Star Wars-esque dialogue. Uh, yeah, man, it's anything can happen, but as you noted with the makeup of the team that's working on it, they have some veterans from the game. So there's at least gonna be some checks and balances in that regard as to you know, how far certain changes go and staying true to the core essence of the project. This is something, I don't care how it turns out, it's going to be a day one for me because Knights of the Old Republic is still Knights of the Old Republic. We've wanted Knights of the Old Republic 3 for ages. We're getting the remake of the first one. I will throw up my hands and I will take it. Yeah, because they put out what that, what was it, that live service one? And I believe like the old Republic. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, I, I think, um, yeah, this is, this is the one, especially, I just want to see that. I want to see that combat system and just see what they, how, how, what they do with it as far as like, are they going to tweak it or is it going to be like very true to the original? Cause that's ideally, that's what I want. I want it to be very true to the original and then add in whatever shit you want on top of that. Like uh, as far as like moves and customization, especially now that, we've had more time in the star Wars universe. Like that, that is one thing that is great about like giving time to, you know, just the whole thing is that as we've seen, you know, the, was it the prequels and all that shit. And then even like the, uh, was it the, uh, the clone war animated, the, the one by the, uh, the Dexter's laboratory guy, not like the, you know, the clone wars, like CG one. Um, we've just seen really like Jedi's unleashed, even, I'm sure that's a game even, but um, we've seen like just more of what the Jedi abilities can do. And so with time now, they can update some of those abilities as opposed to working with their knowledge of, you know, the Star Wars lore of that time. They can now update it with what we've learned since then. And so what I, that's, um, that's like a level of like evolution that they can bring to this remake as opposed to, you know, going back to a game that is somewhat in a time capsule of our knowledge of like Jedis at that point and, you know, how far they can really like push the boundaries um, away from like what we knew at that time. And so, yeah, uh, there's a lot more that they can do with this game and bring into it that we've seen from, you know, just other movies that have come out, especially with the, uh, the latest trilogy uh, and some of the races and things along those lines that they've introduced. And even just the fact that they were just like, fuck the Metachlorians and all that bullshit um, in, the, in the, the recent trilogy. So yeah, there's, um, there's a lot that they can take in and add to this game that they didn't have necessarily in the original. So I think, um, 
especially like you know what we've seen with Marvel Midnight Suns and their card based system, and just I, I like seeing things that are different from you know the usual action R- RPG that we see from games typically of like these licenses. And so yeah, um, bringing this back is going to be absolutely awesome. And but when they bring it back, I am most excited to be reunited with my boy hk47 (laughs) the most homicidal psychotic droid i have ever witnessed in the star wars lore it it's he's he stayed on my team just for his absolutely priceless dialogue like everything was uh, (laughs) everything was like should I kill this thing? How how do I kill this thing? <laughs> and he's great. He brought with him a whole lot of mystery because I, I'm not going to spoil the twist of the Knights of the Old Republic franchise for those who haven't played it or just for those who forgot because it's a pretty important twist and I think it adds a lot to the impact and the significance of this franchise. But HK47 was in on that and yeah, pay very close attention to his dialogue, talk to him. He, like, he's homicidal, psychotic, but also cagey. <laughs> so you're talking to him, and he clearly knows more than he's letting on, and he's not going to tell you. <laughs> yes. Until. Until. <laughs> All right, what you, what you got next, A-Dub? What we got next? So you talked about where we let off. I already talked about Project Eve. What we talked about Forspoken, or as some would refer to it, Forwoken. <laughs> and, uh, hmm. We have some yeah, I, I guess I guess we got to get to the heavy hitters. Yeah. I, I'll take the one that everybody expects, because I want you to lead off with, with the new new. <laughs> oh, yes. So, we finally got to see the gameplay reveal of God of War. Ragnarok. Mm. So, this God of War let's just get this out of the way before people freak out, is not being directed by Corey Barlog. Uh, Tradition that they observe within Sony Santa Monica is that every game they do gets a different director. Corey is, I believe, the only director who has directed two games at Sony Santa Monica, so people don't need to feel like, oh, they brought in a new person, they're making mistakes, and it's like, no, they do this all the time. (laughs) <laughs> they figured out their system. Uh, it it looks utterly phenomenal. It looks, you know, not that much different from the 2018 game. Obviously, there's a little a little visual bump. There's new details. We got Kratos and Atreus trying to piece together what's going on in the aftermath of their journey to return Kratos' wife's body to the place where she wants it to be laid to rest. And yeah, man, we, we we got some trouble. There's a lot of combat going on. We're seeing the Trey's running wild in there. He's a little older, a little bigger. Yeah, he's aware of his godliness, and that's going to be coming into play. Uh, we got our man, Mamir, who's obviously going to be bringing the priceless dialogue. We got your man, Thor. That's going to be an epic boss battle we're seeing new enemies everything is still as brutal as you would possibly expect uh looking closer at the footage we see that kratos still has the blades of chaos and we imagine that's going to be something that you're rolling with from the outset and yeah man that, there's not really 
much I can say I can feel it looks like a proper sequel to an outstanding title that we enjoyed not too long ago. AMC, how did you feel about what you saw from God of War Ragnarok? Yeah, uh, I mean, it looked awesome. The action, everything that you loved about the action of the first game, it's all there. We saw a little bit of the what the chains of Olympus, uh, the axe, the uh, the shield and the axe, I believe, at one point. Um, so yeah, uh, a little bit of everything we loved. Um, we got to see was it Atreus, is like in one of the fight scenes, is riding on what looked like an astral like deer, yeah. <laughs> like or something like that. Just bucking for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that that's um, they're gonna definitely evolve that. Um, you know that. Oh, I guess not really co-op, but you know, companion action yeah. um, that we enjoyed from the first game. Um, yeah, they let us know once again that Thor is back. We'll we'll discuss a little bit more of that. Um, well, man, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, I just I wanted to see gameplay, if anything, just because you know the game was announced a little bit ago. We hadn't seen anything, which kind of gave us like the indication that the game was going to get delayed. The game got delayed, and then uh, but now we've seen gameplay, so you know. It's uh, a little more, not going to say real, because I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, that's vaporware, but, no. <laughs> but uh, at least like we know what how it looks, how the action is going to look, and a little bit more of what's going on in the game, and especially like some of the story elements of it, which is nice. Uh, we also saw, so I guess what we learned with, I know, spoiler, like, you know, not spoiler. We see that Atreus is talking about like the Loki situation. That's all, yes. that's all we can discuss with that, we'll say. Um, he wants to know more about like Loki. Then, um, from what I read in the IGN article, is that um, he's also, I guess, somehow related to uh, like giants. So that's also part of like his lore as well. Mm -hmm. So um, there's just a lot going on with Atreus that like is like Atreus in himself is a mystery um, as far as like his like past, which is weird because you're playing as Kratos. So you would think that he just knows everything. But as the outsider, we know nothing <laughs> when it comes to uh, Atreus. So uh, it's interesting to see how his character is going to develop as the game goes along. Um, one bit of news that we learned, as you said, is that uh, this is going to be, you know, the end. So what is nice is that it's not going to, I'm assuming it's not going to end on a cliffhanger. So this is going to wrap up the story. I mean, how did you feel about that? Like uh, that, th yes, that, that little bit of uh, breaking news with um, this, with the game being, you know, the end of that storyline. No, honestly, I, I appreciate that news because it, the franchise won't be overstaying its welcome and it'll go up on a high note. You know, if, if they've told the story that they need to tell, if Kratos has killed the gods that he needs to kill, then it's time for the curtain call. And personally, as much as I'm excited about this game, as certain as I'll be playing it on day one, I'm really looking forward to Sony Santa Monica being able to shift their attentions to something new and something different I mean, for as long as I've known the studio. And I'm pretty sure as long as they've been in existence, they've been making God of War. So they did have another game that was in development, but was canceled. They released some concept artwork for it. And it looked like something that was right up my alley, you know, science fiction, guns, spaceships, armor. <laughs> this is all my favorites of beautiful landscapes and vistas. So, you know, blending that natural world with that futurism and giving you something to shoot at. Some, a couple of interesting notes about the God of War 2 trailer 
going back to the Atreus Loki situation, I thought it was I thought it was some interesting foreshadowing of how when Atreus at the beginning of the trailer is coming back in the cave, he's carrying a dead deer over his shoulder, but with the positioning of the deer's head with its antlers, it looks like he has on Loki's crown with the horns. Mm-hmm. And, then he, and then he breaks that shadow and it's like, oh, he has a deer. He doesn't have a helmet on. So something's going on there. I also like that they showed that progression from where at the beginning of God of War 2018, Atreus is being taught by Kratos how to hunt and kill a deer, where we go to this Ragnarok and he's coming in with a kill. <laughs> it's just like it's nothing. So there's that growth there. Uh, looks like we're going to get the opportunity to do some sledding. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Yeah, it looks like Kratos and Atreus are gonna be riding with what might be a dog sled. I don't know what animals were pulling them across the ice. I'm just looking forward to being able to, to drive that sled around, maybe do a couple laps before I go to anything particular to do, <laughs> just to see what's happening. So yeah, that's that's all I got for God of War. I'm excited. We got to see Tyr. We got to see some new characters. I, I don't know where this all fits in. It looks like Freya or Freya and Kratos may clash at some point. Hopefully it doesn't have to end in the way clashes with Kratos normally end. (laughs) So all we can do is wait and see, but the game is real. It's coming and it looks phenomenal. Okay, here we go. So you said we have more bangers. There's two more games that we have to discuss. Um, You know, I'm going to go in chronological order, A-Dub. So I, I, I guess I'm going to give you the big one. <laughs> so this one, we knew it was coming eventually. We just hadn't heard much about it. So we finally got an announcement, official, and a tease. This being Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man 2 has been officially announced. Oh, yes, um, yes. Let's read what IGN had to say. Insomniac's games, Insomniac Games revealed that Marvel Spider-Man 2 will be arriving on PlayStation 5 in 2023. Not, not bad. It's the first gameplay trailer revealed that both Peter Parker and Miles Morales will be facing off off against Venom. Uh, They also added that alongside returning voice actors Yuri Lowenthal as Peter Parker and Najee Jeter as Miles Morales, it has also been confirmed that your boy, Candyman, Tony Todd, will be the voice of Venom. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we know that Venom is going to be Seems to be the, the the primary villain of this game. Um, it's pretty cool. So this is definitely a you know just building off of this Spider Verse that they have going on right now. We got Spider Man. Then we have Miles Morales. Now we have Spider Man and Miles Morales or Spider Spider Men, and <laughs> and we know that they're going to be fighting against Venom. Uh, and yeah, as we were discussing, just the options. One of the things that. Um, you know, if you're a big Spider-Man fan, you know that the way, at least the way that it worked in the comics, I know the movies are seem to be very different because we didn't see it. They've already had a Venom movie and we've had Spider-Man movies, so they skipped over this chunk. But in the comics, there is a, a so the symbiote shows up, it gets into Spider-Man. Next thing you know, Spider-Man's wearing the black suit. He's enjoying it. He has unlimited web fluid, all that good stuff. And, but he notices that the symbiote suit is also you know 
playing with his emotions and you know making him more aggressive to the point where he's about to start killing people and that's when he realizes enough of this he finds out that the venom suit can be removed Um, its uh, weakness is sound so he gets the venom suit removed and uh then the venom suit eventually ends up making its way over to eddie brock he gets it that's why he has you know all the inspiration of spider-man but is purely um you know evil and uh it gets to the point yeah and it this the whole thing with the symbiote is that it takes over and so spider-man recognized this and wanted to separate himself from it eddie brock completely embraced it and that's why when he discusses it when he talks he he uses the i guess the preposition we um instead and of not I. the royal we yeah <laughs> uh and so yeah he says like we are venom and all that good stuff so we know venom is going to be he's he's one of uh the very popular spider-man villains and so it's gonna be awesome to see him uh like make his way into the spider-verse um i mean there's a lot to go on here uh just your your thoughts miles morales venom all that and and then some what do you think all right so let me let me just start with the simple stuff for one i absolutely love seeing miles and peter side by side because you can appreciate the difference in their builds like peter is swole and miles is kind of lean so i thought that was i thought that was an awesome way to differentiate them you know, albeit with their suits, their fighting style, their nationalities. Uh, it's, insofar as Venom, that's interesting because just having Venom, that's enough. That's fine. You can put that bullet point on the list and feel like you, you finished the project. I'm really hoping Insomniac goes above and beyond just just doing the bare minimum. I mean, clearly that's what they do, but it, it'll be very easy to miss a lot of opportunities with what can be done with the Venom because as we know, the way Venom works in the comics, it doesn't trigger Peter or Miles. Well, it doesn't trigger the spider sense. So you never know where Venom is or when Venom is going to attack. And I feel like this is an opportunity for Insomniac to make their own version of a nemesis system where Venom just isn't a a predetermined linear thing that you encounter at certain missions, at at certain waypoints and things like that. I feel like they could turn Venom into a persistent threat that is stalking the character when you're doing other things, you're just free roaming and you never know when you're just going to break out into a venom encounter. <laughs> and like they, they could get brutal. They could get out of control. And then they're, they could even have like dynamic kind of dynamic kind of objectives and things that evolve from a venom encounter, saving people, you know, trying to minimize destruction, maybe lead them away and, you know, that kind of stuff, defeating, uh, maybe there's particular means to defeat them. Perhaps there's specific weaponry that you develop for the purpose of fighting Venom more effectively. There's a lot of possibility with what could be done with this. Uh, obviously, I'm hoping that this will result in some kind of some kind of black suit. I don't need the symbiote itself for Peter or for Miles, but I need the black suit. 
the classic black suit. You got to give it to me. They didn't give it to us in the last Spider-Man. The speculation was that they were holding off for when they were ultimately going to introduce Venom into this video game universe. And here Venom is. You give me that black suit. So, yeah, there's there's not much to go on, but there there's a high bar that's being set. Previous games have done Venom and they settle for the bare minimum. They just put Venom in. It's just a boss. It's just a, a particularly brutal encounter every time that you go through and defeat them, which is fine. I want something more. I also want Peter to be more evolved. I mean, they gave Miles a lot of style and flavor with the way that he fights crime in the Miles Morales expansion. So I'm hoping we could see a more a more polished and nuanced Peter in the way that he fights and the, the kind of tricks and tactics that are at his disposal as he's crime fighting. So, yeah. Uh, I want to see a lot from this. It's coming out in 2023. No specific window beyond that. There's a lot of time for Insomniac to really figure out how they want to do this and go above and beyond not just the 2018 game, but the Miles Morales expansion. So I'm hoping they do exactly that. Whatever the case, I'll be there day one because I got to see it all for myself. I would say, yeah, I would say that um, seeing like one scene is trailer now has me because i completely skipped miles morales i'm definitely going to go back now and get that game because um mm-hmm. i just want that one i want to get that, that that little bit of narrative and backstory on miles so i'm not just like stepping into this game with um with inside jokes and all that stuff going on but yeah it just if anything just seeing this and now knowing that you know we're about what uh two about two years away or a year and a half away from uh spider-man 2 um it uh, knows. I, I know that I have time too. Like if I play Miles Morales now, it's not like Spider-Man Two will be coming out like a couple months from now or after I beat it, and then it's like oh, I'm kind of spidered out or whatever. Like there's they have them spaced out pretty well. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely one. This got me excited to go back in that. Two, um, yeah, as you're saying with the whole like uh, the the black suit. Hopefully there will be like a portion of the game where you are play at where you will play as Spider-Man in the black suit and you will see like kind of like you'll get the um the benefits of you know being stronger because that's what the Venom suit like did for Peter. But then you'll also see the downsides of that and then him, you know, removing it. And then eventually who knows where this builds to because we know that comic wise, all of this led to eventually uh Carnage showing or Carnage showing up because as you know, as uh, more more suit more symbiotes showed up, they basically they went from finding a good guy trying to corrupt him to you know a willing participant. Uh, and this is the thing with like Venom, who knows if they end up going this route, but you know he kind of eventually learns his way, and he's like he's somewhat of a Punisher style like antihero where he's trying to do good, but he's also you know losing his mind from this suit. And then with the Carnage suit, it literally finds like a murderer. <laughs> and then yeah. takes him over and so like carnage is just like full-on just pure evil like very little spider spider-man to to carnage um and so who knows if venom is going to be the uh the main baddie it, it could build up to the point where carnage is the bad guy or you know they save that for a later game who knows oh, but there's um 
there's a lot that they could do here with Venom. And with that, like, um, I really like how they're just building up this Spider-Verse. And, you know, knowing that Miles is in this game, as you said, um, you know, seeing the evolution of Peter to see how he could evolve in this game. One of the things I remember, like, at least because I haven't played Miles Morales, like reading up on the game was that they said that his powers were very big and you know dramatic and that was be there that was showing somewhat his um his amateurism because he like you know he's just getting these powers in this suit and he's just learning how to control it and so like a lot of times like he's uh a little heavy-handed with his attacks um and lacking the subtlety of you know a um, a more uh, trained superhero and so to see maybe that with like miles also in this game to see his evolution as you know a more established hero in that universe that that's something that could show up and possibly seeing you know because they haven't mentioned like you know two-player or anything in this game so a possible you know uh, atreus companion style fight mechanic with uh having playing as Peter and having Miles with you is another thing that they could throw in this game. And so there's a lot that they can do combat wise that, you know, but they still have left to reveal. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up to see, you know, just what more they have left of this game. And in an article I read, and this will kind of lead us into the next game. Uh, they mentioned that, you know, a lot of the team from the original Spider-Man are working on this game, but not everybody um from the miles morales crew is working on this game because you know they were busy with some other stuff and so a dub you want to take it away yes they've been busy little biggies over at insomniac because we got the big reveal we got the big <laughs> announcement and unfortunately for as big this announcement is it wasn't that sizable or substantial in practice on the stage we got treated to a cg clip opens up it's in a bar, everything is in disarray, bodies are strewn about, camera cuts, we're looking at the back of a man sitting at the bar with his cowboy hat on, just sipping that booze. We get another cut, we're, we're looking at him kind of counter, counter to chest, we see his hands bloodied from the brawl that had ensued prior, we see somebody get up off the floor, they pull a knife. They're walking toward the guy. The guy balls up his fist. Claws shoot out. Wolverine coming to PS5. No specified year, no specified release window. It, ah, Insomniac is on it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, they, we've got the Spider-Man developers and now they are branching out to other heroes within the Marvel Universe. Honestly, with the way that Marvel games have been going since they've gotten back into the gaming space, I wouldn't want the game in the hands of anyone else other than Insomniac at this point, since they have proven that they, they pay the proper attention and care to the properties that they take on. At the same token, I would like to see more people taking on Marvel and Star Wars projects. I feel like the industry could benefit from having those licenses spread around a bit more. Uh, there's not much to go on with the Wolverine trailer other than it looks like it's normal Wolverine and not, not the yellow spandex Wolverine. <laughs> so we got that to look forward to. But at this point, anything else would be speculation and pure desire. So AMC, of those two categories, what do you got for us? 
Yeah, yeah, let's get right into the speculation and desire. Um, yeah, so I guess my first question, knowing this is Insomniac, um, what do you think or what do you want as far as, we know we've seen these Spider-Man games. Do you, are you thinking open world or do you think this will be more of a linear, linear style game? Like, are we getting Wolverine I, on the motorcycle or you think this is going to be, uh, you know, they take us from location to location and we battle our way through it? Now, up to this moment, until you just said it, I forgot that Wolverine rides a motorcycle. We have games like Days Gone, where it's been demonstrated that navigating an open world, whether that be on roads or off roads, just on two wheels, works surprisingly well. So that is a possibility. I wouldn't mind an open world game playing as Wolverine. Perhaps you're you're going on missions or you're, you're following leads, trying to dig up the, the bones of your past. And perhaps you're, you got something going on with X 23 and you're trying to help her guide her to safety. Maybe you have a last of us style game where it's instead of Joel and Ellie, it's Logan and X 23. <laughs> that would be dope. Um, for me, I think a Wolverine experience would be best played in something more linear where things things are tighter and more controlled like he he isn't super maneuverable he gets hit a lot you see his body come apart and heal itself so i i personally wouldn't want to see anything that's too far of a departure from what was accomplished in x-men origins wolverine which to me is still by far the best wolverine game that has ever been made i have full confidence that insomniac would be able to top it especially having multiple Spider-Man games, highly successful ones, probably the best ones ever made under their belts. They have an outstanding combat system that can easily be adapted, not just to Wolverine, but to pretty much any character they take on because the basic mechanics are there. You, you have your dodge, you have your attacks, you're able to jump and maneuver. So you can just slow things down a bit, increase the weight, you know, and just make everything tighter, put the camera in closer to make Wolverine work. Uh, speaking of making Wolverine work, whatever they do, they're gonna have to either have a whole lot of destructibility with the environments and just all the all the things that are nearby as you're swinging those three foot blades around. And I would hope that Insomniac takes this opportunity to go the gory route and do something that might be rated M for the amount of blood and dismemberment that would be in it. Because again, you're waving around indestructible, permanently sharp, three foot long blades, <laughs> like nobody's business. Like, Wolverine needs to be coming apart. Everything he's fighting needs to be coming apart. He needs to be healing. They don't. And yeah, man, this this needs to be something spectacular to sell that. Because if they put out a, a neutered PG-13 version where you're hitting stuff and maybe there's like a red splash, but there's not any visible damage, I think that would be a disservice to Wolverine as well as the gaming community and what Insomniac is truly capable of. So yeah, it's it's interesting because it's Insomniac, which is like, I mean, I, I will say when I saw 
like uh what was it uh sunset overdrive it was a little more adult mm-hmm. but you, you, when you think about insomniac you like you think uh ratchet and clank and you think spider-man so they haven't really gone that far as far as pushing the edge uh the edge um to like that like you know hardcore mature audience but this could be the game i mean a lot of it like in the past like with a lot of things like you know they always say like we want to market to as many people as possible and so they they what you're saying like they end up like neutering certain characters so that like you know kids who love wolverine can play it and also adults who love wolverine can play it but they did show like in that you know that cg trailer we did see blood so at least we know that we yeah we at least know that they're going to acknowledge that there's blood in the game in some way um yeah getting back to that op- like you know that open world thing the thing with wolverine um he's never been you know that you know that uh f- <laughs> say friendly neighborhood but that guy who fights like street crime he's never really been that style of hero so if they were going to do an open world i would imagine yeah, it would be more in the vein of what you're saying, like X-Men Wolverine Origins, but also kind of like that Weapon X Wolverine where you're going to be, if anything, in a setting that's more like um, Just Cause, like in the jungle or something along those lines, yeah. um, where he's like dealing with like, you know, like something along those, like maybe like a hidden facility of a government agency. And he's like upset about like trying to like you know Weapon X learning about his past things along those lines. This is Hunting like down seedy dudes. Yeah, this is like an introduction to Wolverine. You'll say like in a, in a video game space, and so they might want to do some origin stuff there just to like, you know it's not it's not an X Men Wolverine. It's a Wolverine Wolverine. So they're gonna want to get into the character of Logan as opposed to you know there's all these characters in X Men, so they never really get too in depth with any one character. So because of that, I could. See it you know having some like some weapon x stuff going on there at least in the first game maybe even go to japan at some point who knows no, but um sorry. yeah uh but yeah as you're saying like we already know that you know spider-man has like that great action so what i would like to see if anything if there is like if it is linear i would still like to be able to you know like have some traversal as far as like I gotta climb that mountain. I'm stabbing my claws into like maybe into like the side of a building to get inside of a facility or things along those lines. Like maybe not like you know make my entire way over to a facility, but at least be able to utilize a lot of my abilities. And we already know they they did say in an article it's gonna be true to Wolverine. So um, you you are gonna have like that that sixth sense that Wolverine has as far as like his heightened abilities. So like you're going to be smelling, I'm sure there's going to be some tracking in that game where you're going to like go into detective mode. And then all of a sudden you're smelling footprints or like a, a like, you know, just the, the trail of another, of a, a person that you're going to stalk and things along those lines. Um, I, I I'm hoping that we do get to see like, you know, that, that, Wow, what's the term I'm trying to you know that animalistic Wolverine at points where he's just like like <laughs> just like almost like losing his mind. Um as you're saying, as far as the gore goes, yeah, I want it uh, gore. Yeah, as far as the gore goes, I want to see like you know, flesh flying off a of Wolverine and then seeing him heal in real time. Um, and like see that flesh like return. Like you can, if anything, like you have a PlayStation 5 console, fucking take advantage of it in that yes. way. And so yeah, I want to see like I want to see him like being stripped down to the adamantium bone and then seeing that flesh return over and things along those lines. Um, so uh 
if they can get to that, that would be absolutely awesome. And then, yeah, if anything else would be, you know, pure speculation, but those are like the little things as far as like what we've seen, what they've done with Spider-Man and then what we've seen in previous Wolverine games that they can kind of like bridge the two worlds. I mean, do you have anything else that like to comment on or that you would like to see? Uh, When you brought up the bloody knuckles, it is reassuring that that element was specifically focused on in the trailer and also just the claws ripping through his flesh. I have a feeling that they're going to do this game the justice that it deserves. And if they do happen to go the open world route, yeah, I'd like to see some motorcycle. I'd like to see some cameos. I like, I want it gritty. I want it grimy. I want him just out there trying to trying to put shit together and just walking in, talking shit to dudes and making it happen. One thing that I really want to see taken advantage of is is his heightened senses because that's an interesting way that you can do collectibles and things like that in an open world. Not necessarily doing the detective vision of one of the older. Wolverine games like you talked about before because I, I remember the game you're talking about you would you would activate it and you would see the scent in the world and you know it's something that was later utilized in The Witcher 3 I want it where you get near something and he'll do like the, the sniff <laughs> and maybe he'll make a comment and then that's your cue to explore an area a little more in depth to find something that's secret maybe he maybe he sniffs a little bit every time you get a little closer to it. And that would be a cool mechanic. So there's a lot of possibility in Insomniac we trust. So here's hoping, looking forward to seeing more of that. And if the release window for Spider-Man 2 is any indication, probably won't be for a while. <laughs> yeah. And and now we have an idea, like they're doing somewhat of a... Uh you know call of duty style where it's they have now kind of like different teams and they they trade off on games and so you see we have like the original we have the original spider-man game that team they take a break they don't do miles morales we know we now know they've been working on spider-man 2 and then we're like so what happens with that miles morales team assumption like you know some of the discussion at the time is oh maybe we'll get like a spider gwen style of game or whatever but what we but now what we learned is that they've actually been since miles morales they've been working on a wolverine game and so you know uh it's kind of cool maybe they'll continue to expand especially based off the success that insomniac has had as of late and so then we have like maybe like a team now dedicated to Wolverine, one dedicated to Spider-Man, one dedicated to offshoot Spider-Man games, if not like other Marvel characters. But, you know, this is, uh, you know, we have a while before we get to that point, but it is nice to see kind of like how the uh, the hand, the, the passing of the baton is going to be between game from game at this point. Um, and yeah, this Wolverine game looks, uh, has a lot of potential, I'll say. I can't say it looks awesome because we didn't know, we don't know shit about it, but it exactly. has a lot of potential. I mean, even the CG trailer wasn't wasn't running in PS5, unlike the, the Spider-Man 2 trailer, which apparently was done with real-time visual effects, according to the development team. So it is an indication of what you can expect from Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 5. Both games coming exclusively to PlayStation 5, current gen only. So we're also getting a glimpse at what to expect for the true beginning of the next gen. Mm. 
Yeah, I know. It's nice. Uh, all people have talked about is, you know, uh, cross-gen. Uh, but we, we know like pretty much it's going to end with what I'm, I'm assuming is God of War. And then at that point, we're seeing a lot of exclu- console exclusives for the PlayStation 5, and it's just going to be next level from this point on. Well, I, I, I think there are a few people who might disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got Troll of the Week. Troll of the Week. Troll of the So today's trolls are coming sideways at pretty much everything that was shown in the Sony showcase. I mean, there was the, the moment the showcase went on, just trolling at every corner like i said people calling for spoken for woken uh people are <laughs> people are coming sideways at grand turismos and like ah it looks great except when you drive and <laughs> just any remark you can think of I, I can scroll down the front page of any forum and find trolls out there's like it's nobody's business but here are some that we selected specifically for you these are trolls coming sideways at the entire conference as a whole first troll says too woke <laughs> so what does that mean what does that mean a dev no i don't know i don't know <laughs> i have an idea next show says absolutely terrible absolutely, absolutely. spider man one of the biggest games first of all the best-selling superhero game of one, of the be- one of the best-selling playstation games of all time <laughs> yeah and we got a sequel nothing here to offer (laughs) a sequel given everyone everything they wanted yeah (laughs) venom miles and peter in the same game Mm -hmm. maybe they want more mary jane stealth missions yeah (laughs) next show says that was horrible no hype at all for me Mm. all them games none of them (laughs) not a single not a single one of those games is going to be in your library so the we're, we're marking that now. I, I want people to take note that troll number 445 I said no hype at all for any of these games. If they get any of those games, then we get to go and take their PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. Next troll says, won't even watch the highlights. <laughs> uh, next troll says, pretty awful overall. Following troll says, one of the worst presentations I've ever seen. Way too much superhero garbage. So now, now people are over Marvel at this point. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. We saw the Guardians of the Galaxy game, which is coming out relatively soon. Mm-hmm. We saw Spider-Man 2, and we saw Wolverine. This is all mixed in with Tachia, Knights of the Old Republic, Gran Turismo 7, God of War 2, a revisit to Deathloop. We saw Blood Hunt, which is, I believe, a free-to-play vampire, The Masquerade third-person vampires versus people with guns type of game. Uh, we saw some Rainbow Six Siege. We, <laughs> I mean, do I need to go? We saw Project Eve. We saw Forspoken. It, we saw at least 10 or 12 games that weren't superheroes, but let's focus on the three, two of which are new, one of which is entirely new. And yeah, that's what we're Imagine, yeah, two original ones entirely. So. Next troll says, total shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then this next troll kind of baffled me, and I, I want I want AMC to try to help me put this together, but they say, sad Knights of the Old Republic has fallen so far. <laughs> to be honest, so, I can only assume that they mean that 
falling so far from Microsoft. Because <laughs> hey, that's the only context in which that comment makes sense. <laughs> we saw nothing. <laughs> we saw a CG element of a Sith, a notable Sith from within the game. And all we know is that it's going to be making its debut on PS5. It's a timed exclusive. I believe it's going to be coming to PC as well. And we don't know anything else. So how has it fallen? Like, where has it fallen from? What, what's the relative distance which it has fallen and how? Like, what, what does this comment mean? <laughs> like, this is, this is some, some next level drilling there. Well, and also, too, it's like, it's not EA. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like people like you would assume like, oh, but it like EA. Uh, but like, yeah, it's that's, transactions. Yeah, this is Lucas Films. So you don't even have to worry about that aspect of it. So if anything, you got rid of the big boogeyman that you're worried about when it comes to these Star Wars games. The ones that you had complained about all these years is uh, like, yeah, they, they only do all the, all the Star Wars games and like they make them all bad. But you don't have to worry about that anymore. But yet, this game is somehow worse. <laughs> like, we sat around lamenting what was basically the death of this franchise because it's just EA wasn't going to do anything with it. Yeah. And now we get a remake and it's fallen. So far. <laughs> Next troll says Sony just dropped its D on Microsoft's head. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, at least we got somebody positive about the conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Albeit in a negative manner. But yeah. in order for something to be good, something else has to be bad. You know, yeah. those, you know yeah. those folks. But to be fair at Microsoft and to just be fair in general, their showing was pretty strong as well. So it's not like Sony just blew the doors off of everything they had to offer. What I appreciate about the differences between both of their conferences is that they both indeed were largely dissimilar. That's something that we're not quite used to these days, especially since both of these console manufacturers share about 80% of their libraries with multi-platform games. So it's nice to see that they're able to bring slates of games that are just vastly dissimilar from one another. I mean, of course, all the, the rampant stream of acquisitions that Microsoft underwent have a lot to do with that and you know sony doubling down on making blockbusters and you know supporting things that have a future outside of gaming also helped in that you know we're we're seeing their differing approaches to attracting consumers you know microsoft has their game pass and their smart delivery ps5 has their just insanely fast load times and that that tried and true formula of bringing outstanding exclusives to market. So yeah, man, it's, it's nice to see them different and it's nice that it's just nice to see them different. So yeah. next row says, when's the Marvel station six come out? That's when it has no longer indie station. It's now Marvel station. It's no longer delay station. It's and, no and, longer, no longer vapor station. And uh, people, keep in mind, people were mad what like a year ago that uh, that Spider Man was going to be exclusive in the Avengers game on Sony. Yeah. Now people don't like Marvel, and so they don't care. Apparently, <laughs> they didn't like Marvel. 
they didn't like the Avengers. They were mad that Spider-Man was exclusive in a game that they didn't like from an imprint that they don't like. And now it's, it's Marvel Station 6 coming out. In all honesty, this troll comment is more complimentary than anything because it it punctuates the wise decision-making that's going on with Sony and with Marvel. Like They're basically churning out these high-quality exclusives, and Sony is becoming the place for Marvel games. That's that's big money. That's eyes. That's, that's players. That's consumers. That's that's market share. So yeah, that's excellent work on their behalf. And I'm looking forward to the Marvel Station. If Sony can be the home of Marvel games for the foreseeable future, then I have no reason to play games anywhere else. And also with that too, though, there are Marvel games coming out on other consoles. I would say yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy multi-platform uh was it alliance um that game came out on the switch avengers game multi-platform so it's not like yeah it's not like sony has a monopoly on every marvel game made they are getting exclusive deals for marvel games but there are marvel games coming out on other consoles so the interesting thing to note is that we're not seeing any exclusive marvel games for microsoft yeah exactly so there's not enough information to be able to derive why that is exactly the case it can be something as simple as microsoft simply doesn't see the value in licensing these properties it can be something more complicated as disney being incredibly selective and perhaps marvel i mean perhaps uh, microsoft hasn't proven themselves to be worthy of making a marvel game using one of their licenses but all we do have to work with right now is that for some reason Sony's getting the exclusives and Microsoft isn't. So yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, as we said, like Microsoft has been focusing on, you know, every company has to decide where they're gonna spend their money. And so with Microsoft, a lot of it has been in acquisitions and those studios then working on either original, for the most part, original IP, things along those lines. Um, and so, yeah, they, they just might not be in the licensing space right now where like where Sony clearly is. And so that's not the <laughs> They have unlimited money. They could just buy the gaming industry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, that's everybody believes, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, like those licensing deals, like, yeah, they cost a lot of money, things along those lines. And so maybe that's just not their focus at the moment. Yeah, Marvel's Marvel and Disney way more hands-on than they used to be so it isn't like you're just all right we're gonna make the game we want to make and that's it it's like no they're gonna have to approve and sign off on everything Mm -hmm, (laughs) before it ever makes it out the door so you need to know what you're doing you need to do it good and it needs to make the mouse happy Mm -hmm. i mean i wouldn't mind if they were just like one day there's like hey we have a marvel game on xbox and obsidian is making it like what Yeah, so like, like, like an Obsidian X Men game, just yeah, that kind of RPG, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, goodness, great! Yeah. Or like it, and I feel like it's an excellent opportunity to pick the IPs and the licenses that most that most appropriately play on the strengths of particular developers. Like Obsidian could make a really good. RPG based on like Black Widow or Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. So you have these characters, they're not flying around, they're not shooting laser beams, you know, you're not dealing with the super powered aspect of the superheroes. You have something that's more contemporary, more in the wheelhouse of that developer. 
and they can give you compelling storytelling. They can give you quests. They can give you choice. They can give you branching outcomes, things of that nature, while still keeping that imprint and doing something that's that's truly impressive. So, I hope things like that are going. Hopefully, Microsoft comes out comes out the shadows with an announcement, with an exclusive or two. Who knows? Oh well, yeah, we know them. We know Microsoft, and they're very reactive. <laughs> so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Phil Spencer's in there. Why do they have two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, keep it moving. What else? Yeah, is, that the, so, is that the last troll? Or no, okay. this is the last troll. Oh, yeah. Say the best for last. <laughs> Sony fanboys are probably happy with that show and secretly buying an Xbox for what Microsoft is doing right now. Starfield beats anything in that show. <laughs> so the CG game. <laughs> yeah, the the man sitting down in the chair <laughs> is better than all the gameplay that we've seen. Yeah. Like all you've done so far is shit on what is it Bethesda's engine? Yeah, um, bug Festa. You call their their leader Todd Coward. Yeah, <laughs> but yet yeah. you you say that they're only as good as Fallout seventy six. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, sh- you shit on uh, Fallout 4 when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> but yet, it's outstanding. But yet, Starfield is a guaranteed. <laughs> like, Better than everything. Because yeah. it's ours now. <laughs> Better than everything. Better than everything. Yeah. It's, uh, oh. If you could say one thing, Insomniac has a proven record. Like, and as like, I'm not even shitting on Bethesda. Bethesda has made great games. But as far as like criticism goes, Bethesda has seen a lot more criticism as of late in comparison to Insomniac. So if you're just going developer to developer and you're looking for, you know, an almost guaranteed bet, I'm looking more at Insomniac right now. But that's, that isn't to say Starfield could be absolutely amazing and it has a lot of potential to be amazing. But yeah, because of the acquisition, it kind of puts it kind of puts the trolls and the haters in this odd paradox where they're in this negativity feedback loop where they have to champion Bethesda because everything they make is exclusive to Xbox. But they also hate Bethesda because that's what they decided on for some odd reason and they refuse to change. Bethesda, oh, they never they never made a good game. I don't know. They bought those reviews. Tom Howard. <laughs> but then as soon as somebody comes talking about playstation exclusives starfield's better than everything <laughs> game you haven't seen yeah <laughs> by, so, the way, yes. I, by the way i hope it's amazing because you won you yeah. on the xbox and i would love to come over and see that game someday yeah it, even <laughs> it just even for the simple fact that it's a new game that people are excited about and i want i want every game to be good because everybody deserves to have good games to play. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't want a game to be bad. You shouldn't want one game to be better than another game. And you shouldn't you shouldn't be sitting around hating and trying to make people feel bad for the exclusives for the only console they own. I mean, as a Sony fanboy, uh, number one, I bought a Series X first, <laughs> so got that specifically for the Forza Horizon franchise. Been playing The Ascent. Got Death Door waiting. So that's awesome. I didn't secretly buy it for what Microsoft is doing right now. I bought it for what Microsoft has been doing along the way. What they're doing now, what they're going to be doing over the horizon are just icing on the cake. And yeah, man, on top of that, I get to enjoy 
all the Sony exclusives. I get to play Wolverine when that comes out. I get to play me some Venom when that comes out. I call him Spider-Man 2 Venom just because he got a minute. You know, got to differentiate. So it, we don't have to be these console agnostic or what is it, console exclusive types who have their little camps, wave their little tattered banners and go to this fictional war that we're the only people who believe in. Look, video games are to be played. They're to be played by as many people as possible. They're to be enjoyed. They're designed to be beaten. They're designed for fun. So you go out there and you have some fun. Other people derive fun by hopping on the internet and trying to make people feel bad about stuff. And you all can go to hell with that bullshit. In the meantime, we just had an outstanding 40 minute long showcase from Sony. We saw a lot of stuff that is coming out pretty soon. We saw even more stuff that's coming out a little later. And we saw a few things that are coming out further down the road. So we got a lot to look forward to. This is a time to rejoice. This is a time to try out new things and think about the possibilities. This is a time to embrace this current generation of hardware and the new visions of what video games can be that would be embraced with AMC. Any thoughts? Uh, I guess the last thing I, I pose to you is now having, you know, let's just talk quickly about the conference itself and, you know, the meaning behind it. You know, people gave Sony shit about taking off from E3 and now, like, you, you know, got that in the show. <laughs> and, and now seeing this conference and its presentation, do you think that this is quality enough now to, you know, give Sony a pass moving forward to, you know, take if they decide to, yeah, that they're done with E3, that this is enough to um, kind of let them stand on their own outside of that conference? I, mean, I don't think a, a pass is involved. They made their decision that they aren't going to be on these convention cycles, showing up with everybody else, showing things on everybody else's schedule. They decided that they're going to strike out on their own and use their own timetable to show what they want, when it's ready, when they're ready. So they've, like you said, people came at this show, they came at E3, like, oh, we're Sony. They don't have anything to show. How are they going to respond? This is, this doesn't bode well for the PS5. Uh, and, suddenly they come out with the summer showcase and all anybody could do is try to find reasons to hate on everything that was shown. Like it's, Oh, so they have stuff now and you're just trying to knock it down. It, they, they know what they're doing. So there's no need to expect them to be on anybody else's timetable or to go for these tit for tat responses as if this is, this is a shooting match and they're trying to go point for point with each other. As noted earlier, each of these manufacturers, each of these publishers, they have their different visions of what the future of gaming is and what its present represents. So we're seeing that as it's coming together, it's going to come together at different times. And all we got to do is be patient instead of jumping to conclusions or trying to get some kind of negative confirmation about things that are in the works by posing these trolley questions or suggestions that, oh, they don't have anything to show. They're not doing anything. I'd also like to see people ease up on the leaks. You know, it's sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't, because sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not. <laughs> so let's just let things happen. And just be patient, appreciate the development process, be aware that things change 
over time, <laughs> a game shown to you today may not resemble what it ends up being when it finally releases. So just be kind to developers, be kind to each other. Let's talk about games. Let's quit with all this arguing and bickering over people's thoughts and emotions about what might or might not be. Let's talk about substance. Let's talk about reality. Let's just talk. Yeah, I would like almost applaud like Sony and Insomniac in that like, you know, there have been a thing um, with these conferences, especially with E3, where by the time the conference was coming up, everything was already leaked <laughs> by the time the conference happened. The fact that we were able to watch this and at least like at least for me, I don't know if maybe you knew in advance, but to be able to have this conference and not know at all that Wolverine was coming, that was a- I had no idea. Yeah, that was a big bonus. I mean, even Spider-Man 2, you could maybe speculate, but I know a lot of people just assumed God of War for sure. And then everything else was like speculation at that point. But the fact that we saw a little bit of gameplay from Spider-Man, we saw those was like the, the tentacle, like metal arm Spider-Man, you know, mm -hmm. like having his action. Uh, the fact we saw some Spider-Man and the fact that we saw Wolverine was you know, a sign that like maybe even the fact that being away from E3 and, you know, like, all the people that maybe you have to prep that aren't necessarily associated with Sony who could then, you know, leak out information. Um, is it a better way to, as far as like keeping some of the spoilers uh, at bay um, that we normally are accustomed to when we have these big conferences. And so, yeah, it's a, uh, and I even enjoyed it too, just like at the point, like uh, I know like with E3 and that, that one, I guess the last one where they had the, uh, like the different rooms and they're going back and forth and all that stuff. And, you know, people just have been like, they've been very down on, you know, some of the uh, kind of the campiness and just the uncomfortable with the, you know, how they bring in all the, uh, all the executives to come out and talk or the, even the developers who aren't necessarily comfortable with being on stage. This was a lot cleaner of a show. And I think that like, if this were to be how we do it moving forward, like um, I definitely would not have an issue with it. And if anything, it somewhat, uh, you know, brings the, the the temperature down on the console war ish nature of E3 with the fact that like Microsoft went first and now Sony has a chance to react or Sony went first and now Microsoft's going to totally change their conference based on what Microsoft <laughs> like, and all that bullshit. Like now that we're away from that, we can now just more or less focus on the conference itself and not the reaction to the conference. Even though people are still going to always play up the console wars, you know, it's this, the, the companies themselves will be less focused on it, I'll say, which will, I, I guess, all in all benefit the entire like gaming community. It's interesting looking over some comments from before the showcase aired and people talking about the things they wanted to see. Like Bloodborne spiritual successor, Naughty Dog new IP, Agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Agent. I want to see more Kenna, Bridge of Spirits. And I want Returnal DLC. What more do we have down here? People actually want to see more Eternal, huh? I'm talking about, uh, I want to see The Last of Us remake, at least a cutscene of Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no leaks. It, people just let their speculation run wild. And then people start getting trolly. Yeah. <laughs> Call of Duty, Deathloop, and Kenna, Alan Wake remaster. You got that one. Horizon 2. Mm. So yeah, there's people, and people were really expecting to see Sucker Punch 
do something infamous related. So I know that was that was the one that you were know, like, oh, there was there was no sucker punch. What happened? It's like it's a leak. That's what happens. Yeah, and also they pretty much just like put out what the director's cut of Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, uh, they have that multiplayer updated some of that with that uh, director's that cut. rivals. Yeah, so I mean, like they they're busy as well as probably working on multiple projects the the assumption is we're definitely going to eventually get like a ghost of Tsushima 2 somewhere down the line just based off of the success of the original um and yeah ghost like, of Tsushima. yeah and then we could see an infamous but there guess what i dub there's plenty of time <laughs> god if they make another infamous i'll be so happy yes <laughs> especially now with all the superhero stuff going on like i'm excited to see what guardians of the galaxy is going to be like Spider-Man 2 is a day one. Wolverine, I have... I'm trying to temper my expectations for that. I want that to be the best product it could possibly be while also being something wholly unique for what's been done with Wolverine in that's gonna so be, far. That's going to be, like, not deep, but, like, you know, PlayStation 5 will have been around. So yeah, we're going to see, like, how they take advantage of this console with that game. It's, like... Spider-Man put Insomniac over the tipping point. I want to see Wolverine be the game that makes them the truly standout developer that they can be. Like the game that that doesn't just push them past the tipping point, but puts them on the map is like, okay, Naughty Dog, Rockstar, Bethesda from software, Insomniac. Sucker Punch, Guerrilla Games, <laughs> like yeah. to join that list of the top tier developers, you know, that CD Projekt Red used to be on before they put out Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> because when it was just The Witcher 3 out there, it was like, oh, CD Projekt, <laughs> yeah. Rockstar, they're better than Rockstar on Bethesda. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the thing with them right now is if they announce a new IP, I could definitely see, like, mm, like we're worried. But if they go Witcher 4... Add like, skepticism. Yeah, if they go Witcher 4, I think uh, people are right back on board again. Yeah. Oh, they're back in their wheelhouse. Yeah. This is what they know how to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, trying, to, trying to be in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what else you got? We have anything else, or are we, we calling it an episode? Oh, man, what else do we have? Uh, they did release some key art for God oh, of War yeah, 2. Oh, yeah, we didn't even discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So, uh, just a little backstory. There was a little warning from God of War 2018 for what we were graced with. <laughs> but, yes, they put out some key artwork, and one of the things that was included was artwork for Thor. So going from God of War 2018, all we saw was the hammer and the left hand, as he has described in Norse mythology, being left-handed. So Chris Hemsworth, you better fix that. But yeah, man, it's not Chris Hemsworth. I mean, I it's mean, not, it's not I mean, sexy Thor. Yeah, I was gonna say it. It might be later Chris Hemsworth, but not OG Chris Hemsworth. It's melted ice cream. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. It's, it's post getting your asshole by Thanos. Chris Hemsworth. It's I lost everything. It is all my fault, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> it, it's I'm coming to kill you, new Master Sixty Nine, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Yeah, so yes. I mean, so we saw get get into it, A Dove. As described by Mamir in God of War 2018, we're getting fat dauber. <laughs> yeah, so there were a lot there were a few offhanded comments about Thor from Mamir in God of War 2018. Uh, one of them being that he's a fat dauber. Uh Sony Santa Monica described him as sort of a man child. And once you understand the description of Norse mythology that they're going with for Thor, it all makes perfect sense. Like this, this is the Thor that has enjoyed several lifetimes of the spoils of war and just being a God, just reveling in combat and doing whatever the hell he wants. Like this is grimy Thor. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the belly to match it. But, you know, a lot of people got very upset about this. And that's primarily due to the exposure to Thor that we've had over, you know, generations, lifetimes, in that we've always depicted him as this blonde haired, blue eyed, clean cut, chiseled model of a man. And that's just not what's in the mythology. The mythology is someone who's more more grotesque and hedonistic and you know not a very good dude <laughs> and we kind of got that with the thor that they presented in the original thor films how he was really full of himself really focused on glory and just charging into battle and over time he developed as a character to be someone who was more measured and calculated someone who was worthy of being the all-father of Asgard as he became for a second and then passed on to you girl, the, the Valkyrie. And then he became Fat Thor himself, which I imagine now knowing that that's, that's the more accurate description of Thor, I wouldn't doubt if Marvel actually did that on purpose. So not just to be funny, but because it's like, yeah, this is man-child Thor. So yeah, man, it's people lost their shit but then other people started setting them straight, letting them know of the true mythology. And something very positive happened with the reveal of the fat Thor it, is that a lot of people stepped up and said, like, this is great. I like to see this because it, it's, it's body positivity, and especially with the powerlifting community. I'm seeing some people coming out saying, like, yeah, this is, this is the way that a strong body looks like a body that's built for power. You have a strong core surrounded by muscle and you're you got that muscle gut. Yeah. You got that muscle gut. Like it's, it's a belly, but it's, it's swole. <laughs> like right, Thor could definitely use a little cardio to get some more definition because these power lifters definitely, definitely have them beat in that respect, but they're not guts. So <laughs> and they're not waving a, a, a magic hammer. He's got that going. Uh, AMC, how did you feel <laughs> when you saw that today? My God, I did not even know about it until you pointed it out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. One, it, um, it, I, like, as I was saying to you in the pre-show, it gave me that feel of, with him being a villain, or assumed a villain in this game, from what we know and what we saw, um, you know, at the end of the last game, uh, it, this gives him that 
that villain feel that I got from old school wrestling. Like when you think about like, was it like George Animal Steel and like Earthquake, Earthquake and Tugboat? Like, <laughs> like vil- villains in like wrestling in like the 80s were just big fat dudes and it was like it was awesome i mean not like you know not like big fat out of shape dudes because they would still handle their business still but they were just, but they were yeah they weren't like hulk hogan like hulk hogan was our idea of thor as far as like when it's when he's when he's a good guy and then when he goes bad then he becomes earthquake or tugboat and so uh yeah like um it gives that feel. And so with that, like I imagine he's going to be an even more awesome villain because, you know, you have like a, a, a chiseled Kratos, but yet older and then a young Atreus. And so if you have this big dude who then is like, who like, he looks like he could take him, take on both of them at the same time, which is what you want from like a Thor character, like a guy who's somewhat larger than life. And, you know, with the advent of like, with the i guess the addition of like giants and all that stuff maybe that's something that will come along the line with uh atreus maybe you know being able to maybe scale himself up in some way or you know because thor is going to be larger than life i'm assuming uh and so with that <laughs> in like, one respect definitely yeah and so with that like i think it's a perfect choice um one they can they can back it up with the uh the lore but then on top of that, like just the way it will work as far as his character in this world, as opposed to the Thor that we've come to know from, you know, we'll say the Marvel Marvel vacation of Thor up to this point. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be awesome. I, I'm, I'm all about it. I like when, especially like we've discussed um, how like every game has like Greece or Norse mythology within it. And so they all have the same feel. And because of that, um, the fact that they decided to, you know, give Thor this look, at least it's a different take on Thor than we're used to seeing as of late, as opposed to, you know, just doing what we've seen in every video game or every, you know, just genre when they decide to cover these gods from, you know, their perspectives. And so, yeah, because of that, I think it's a great choice. And I, I can't, I'm looking forward to actually seeing like the gameplay reveal of Thor, which will be absolutely awesome. Yeah, for the longest time, I've been severely upset by how there's only, just like in Hollywood, there's only a certain amount of body types, a certain amount of looks in video games. Like you see it, you see it most prominently in open world games of yesteryear. How it was everybody's skinny, everybody's a certain height, <laughs> and that's how that worked. I mean, eventually, open world games started reaching a point where they're putting in people with different body types, with different heights, with different faces. You can make CJ fat. You can make CJ fat. Like there, you would. They started depicting real people, and that's awesome. And then with what they're doing with Thor and God of War Two, we're seeing those kinds of depictions extend to the main characters. And that's awesome. One for representation. Two, just to, for the sake of creativity and being able to make a character that doesn't have to fit a particular mold or look a certain way because it's got to sell and things like that. Because they very easily could have been forced into making a sexy Thor, whereas they made they made a Thor that you will fear. Yeah, he's like he's like he's like will be repulsed by yeah he's like barbarian thor <laughs> viking king thor yeah so i'm um, i'm very happy with it i'm very excited to see him in action 
I'm looking forward to those first handful of deaths that he's ultimately going to hand me because I want to see him just wreck shop with that hammer. And yeah, you you want to clown about that belly? Clown his ass whooping. You think you think at any point Kratos dons Mjolnir? He has to. You think he's worthy? <laughs> is is it a worthiness aspect in the mythology, or was that I something no that was idea. made up? I have no idea. <laughs> is that a Marvelification that we're just running with? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe Atreus might be the one who can eventually oh, get a hold of the if, hammer. If Atreus pulls that shit up, oh, <laughs> no, but like, oh my god, what if you could do wheels? I mean, the axe is pretty much like everybody was saying, like it was like based on the hammer. And yeah. just like, so, I mean, you would hope that at some point you get to, you get to get control of that hammer, throw it, call it back, you know. Or that, maybe, that. maybe all this axe work was just the tutorial for <laughs> the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get the hammer and it's like yeah you're still swinging like the axe you're definitely doing more damage you're definitely throwing and calling it back and it's going to have a more a more fluid motion than the axe the axe did but then you get a lightning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could call that down you probably have some passive effects when you're holding the hammer that you that it's arcing off lightning enemies get too close they get stunned oh man Oh, maybe, man. maybe you could do some interplay, like how Captain America was giving it to Thanos at the end of the end game. You throw the shield out, you throw the hammer at it, it bounces yeah. back. <laughs> Get past the defense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mercy. Yeah, there's a the possibility. There's a lot of hope. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's yeah. meet our expectations and yeah. let's allow these developers to give us the vision that they have for yeah. the properties they're working on because they're the ones doing it, not us. So let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Yes, sir. All right. Well, you have anything else? Let me see how far we are at this one. <laughs> we're mad far. Yeah, that that conference was. Oh, we're we're at two hours and fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh, God damn! I didn't think it was that long. <laughs> um. You might do the quick hits or should we just skip them? I thought we did the quick hits. <laughs> I mean, you, you could say, oh, Sony picked up a new studio. You could read about that. Yeah. And, uh, and, a, and a guy agreed with a terrible law and he lost his job. And that's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> and rightfully so. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> um, cool. All right, man. Well, you have anything else? I'm all out. All right. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A-Dip. Thanks for playing. Sucker. Sucker.